afternoon. Good afternoon. Tuesday afternoon, isn't it? <laughs> Just checking, yeah. Yeah, this is a nice place. We're in the beer garden today. The sun is trying to come out. Beautiful British summer. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Take these away before the cat has them. Beautiful, beautiful British summer day. The shades on, t-shirts. Yeah, shorts on today. Where are we, Jeff? We are in Thornbury today. Thornbury, just outside Bristol. Yeah. Uh, the wheat sheaf. Yeah. Good British pub now. Yeah, look, and it looks very English country pub mm. on the outside, isn't it? When mm. you when you drive in, very, very pretty, hanging baskets, all sorts. And what are you drinking, Jeff? Well, they got they got a bit of a cider festival going on. So I'm on cider today. This is uh, oh, it's cider, is it? I don't Weston's know Rosie's Pig. That's a very West Country name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I've gone for uh, Bath Ales, a pint of Bounders mm. cider. One of my favourite ciders. This one. Cheers, mate. Cheers. So I was at uh, I did some training this week. Okay. I'll update you on that. I did some. I did a CSM class this week. Some interesting stuff came out of it. Actually, with some. It was a small class. There was only seven people. Um, nice. And um, obviously, with those types of classes, you can get a bit deeper into, mm. you know, project-centric stuff and, and organisational stuff that they're experiencing. Um, and some interesting. They've got an interesting. I wouldn't say problem, but a, a difference that they've got a, quite a project management-led organisation. Okay. So they've got quite a heavy project management office influence in within the teams. Quite a traditional company. Yes, yes, okay. yes. So, so it's quite um, a bit around a while, but um, process focused. Yeah, and that seems that was coming through in terms of the questions that I was getting, and in terms of some of the the problems they're experiencing is that. And it, there's a link there that we've talked quite a lot about the link between or the hindrance that that can have on the product ownership angle. Mm. So they they're suffering a little bit with a lack of clear product ownership or product owners engaging fully. Okay. Over internal products. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there just seems, there seems to be quite a lot of um, disconnect between the product owners and the real budget because the project managers tend to look after those real budgets. Oh right. Okay. So project, and then there's a that kind of manifests itself in a real lack of any clear prioritisation. Mm. So product owners are in there's multiple product owners, okay, and they tend to be asking for everything, and they tend to be asking for everything because they're not really in control of the money that the the, the cost that they're incurring. No one person's hasn't having to take a holistic view. No, so it's kind of like for the, the project ownership responsibility has been diluted too far mm. and nobody is really taking overall responsibility for it. And so the project manager is having to field all those requests yeah. and make decisions? Yeah. And the are, they, are they qualified to do that? Traditionally yes, Okay. but from a, perhaps from a business perspective, probably not. And are, they, are they seeing any consequences as a result? Um, well, a lack of engagement from the product owners and a lot of lack of direction teams don't really um, know who's really setting the direction of the project mm. and and what was interesting as well is that the project manager seems to have more control than anyone else so still Do they like that 
Well, some of them, from what the guys I spoke to, they don't know. But it, it just seems to be that that's what the organisation still expects. Still, very much expects that that person to be in charge. That can be quite a scary place to be for those people, especially if you're not comfortable with it. Some people thrive in that. Yeah. Some people actually prefer that. I think there's a. I think a general consensus that project managers want power. Um, well, I, I guess I know quite a few people that do. They, they they like that. They thrive on that. Well, yeah, it's always been about how they've been measured their the success <coughs> or how but much. I equally, know quite a lot of project managers who realise that although they may have formal authority, they don't have. And this might sound a bit too heavy, but they don't have the moral authority to make decisions because they don't they don't know. They don't have the knowledge. They're not they don't have the domain expertise. I remember you saying um, a while back. This was a long time ago. We did a presentation in um, in London. I can't remember if it was a conference. We were talking about the whole project manager and product owner um, living in harmony together. Mm. I remember you made a brave statement at the time. We haven't really talked about it since. But you went out, you went on on the record in that conference by saying, "I don't think you'll ever really get." A real product owner, while you have a project manager in your scrum team. Hmm. Do you remember saying that? Would you still agree with that statement? <coughs> yeah, yeah, I think I would. I've forgotten it. <laughs> I've forgotten saying that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think I would stand by that. I think having that, having someone in there. I mean, actually, the, the situation you just described there, I think, actually illustrates that quite well. That. It's almost impossible for someone to be an effective product owner when you have a project manager in there as well. Um, and if I, I'm putting myself in that position, I'm onto a loser, really. I mean, if I can't do my job properly, then why would I stick my neck out? So what? There's also the other thing that we've got mentioned this week in this course was this concept of a proxy product owner. Mm-hmm. Which is quite common, and we talked a bit about that. I, I believe it's just it's really hiding the fact that, or trying to again di- diluting the product owner role because we can't access the real product owner. Mm. I see a lot of business analysts that tend to pick up that job title. I call it a proxy product owner. <laughs> and again, it's just that a lot of those smells, if you like that. We're not really taking the pr- or giving the product owner the right level of respect, the role, the right level of respect mm. that it probably deserves. And I, 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 you know, in some cases, I still fight with people to argue the fact that a product owner can should be a full time role or a full time role for one person. Yeah. And we see these um, proxies rising up and people struggling with the decision making process. No, no real definition of business value. Because there's just nobody really given the given the time to make those decisions. For me, the biggest problem there is that no one, no one cares enough. Because it's not their role, and because that role isn't respected enough, no one cares enough about the product. There's no, there's not enough passion there. There's not enough willingness to make the difficult decisions, to research things enough, to really dig in and make the ruthless the calls that are necessary. I think sometimes people underestimate the role, the title of the role is quite self-explanatory. It's ownership, mm-hmm. and sometimes the ownership isn't there. Mm. <coughs> yeah, a, pro- a proxy doesn't own it. No. They may rent it. Yeah. 
They may be a tenant. Product, yeah, product tenant or product, product renter or rental. Product borrower. Hmm. So yeah, an interesting discussion about that. And what <coughs> was it? Something that they were they were feeling the pain of, or weren't aware that they were feeling the pain of, or it's not there yet because they haven't quite made the transition. I think it's something that they'd almost adjusted Scrum towards because that's just the way that they were. Okay, so they they're, they're kind of masking the pain. Mm. Okay. And sometimes, as a trainer, I feel a little bit sorry. Well, not sorry, but guilty in a way that I'm, I'm just kind of calling out obviously obvious behaviours and when, when you show people that they kind of just say yeah I know that sucks we do that hmm. <clears throat> do you think they want to know what to do or do you think they know what to do but they don't feel they can do it I think they want to know. I think they want to, almost want to be shown how to do it. Um, I think they want to know that it's going to be okay. They want to know that there's a way. Well, um, sometimes I get the impression that people in similar situations, they almost want. They almost, I mean, you say that they want to be told it's okay. It's almost let me justify what I'm doing and, and get some reassurance that other people do this and we don't have to change mm. tell me that it's okay to carry on like this tell me it's okay that it's, you don't have to put the effort in it is, yeah it is too difficult for you to do justify the dysfunction yeah but I wouldn't say I felt guilty for telling people that no I may I may feel sorry for them mm. if I empathise with their situation and I can feel their helplessness and sometimes their anxiety and fear about making a change <clears throat> but no I think awareness is the first step and it may well be that they don't do anything differently as a direct result but that just sits there that knowledge sits there and it's now in the front of their mind and so when they're faced with a particular situation they may think well rather than just carry on with how we've always done it they might even just ask themselves is there another way yeah this is the thing with this again so this is a scrum master class good point and as a scrum master as a scrum master you have to believe that something else is possible mm -hmm. um, but is it possible to become blinded as a scrum master to become almost institu institutionalised into your organisation's way of doing Scrum. Oh, almost definitely. And I think even even externals, yeah. you know, external consultants can, can, what's the phrase, go native. They can they can get blinded yeah, yeah. by, if they're there too long, get institutionalised. I think that, and that's, that's where having having a fresh set of eyes or even a fresh set of ears can, can help shine a new light on the, on the situation and just challenge the accepted wisdom hmm. that's why I think somewhere like someone like you although you may have, felt, may have felt guilty there I think you probably provided a valuable service 
as being that mirror it's holding this up holding that mirror up and playing back what you see and <clears throat> asking the question of how's that affecting you how's that impacting you those kinds of questions without judgment and because I know you you're not going to I know you wouldn't be standing there saying you're idiots for doing this mm. I think you're terrible people because you're you have a dysfunctional view of, of scrum I know that's not you mm. so being able to hold that conversation with empathy and a lack of judgment would, would give them the space to just evaluate and, and think well what can we do sometimes I feel though sometimes I, I can come across as quite negative about it all by, point, by constantly pointing out the dysfunction mm. that I don't want people to get a negative impression of that it's all doom and gloom mm. how did the course end? Hmm, quite positive in terms of excuse me for eating but I try and get people to think about at least three steps that they can take as a result to move right. things forward rather than just dwell on the past right so there's some positive momentum at the end of it hmm. I mean in a way just talking from my own personal um, view of the world I guess if I'm <coughs> If I'm starting to look at things that aren't working, it's almost, I think I prefer, once I've started looking at that kind of stuff, to get it all out, rather than, well, let's just look at a couple of things that don't work now, and forget about the rest and pick them up later. I'd rather have a complete list and say, right, that's, that's it, that, that is everything that's wrong right now. And then once I've got that off my chest and onto paper, I think, all right, well, how can I make one of those slightly better? and finish on a positive um, some people can get overwhelmed by that I think uh, and say well let's just, just pick a couple of things and not worry about everything pick a couple of things and make it better but personally I like getting a, as complete a list as possible because then I know that that painful reflection is out of the way but also I can start looking at patterns I can start thinking well if I address this one then that covers that one and that one <coughs> but the fact that you've ended on a positive yeah, it's demonstrating that, that scrum principle, the art of the possible. Yeah, things aren't perfect. Yeah. But you can make some progress. Personally, I think that's one of the most important messages that a scrum master can get across. Or any coach or any leader. Yeah, things aren't perfect. Let's admit that. Let's make some, let's make some small positive change. So how do you judge success there in that, in that class with that, with that client? I judge success by a realisation of their own opportunity to, to, to change something. Acceptance of my perspective of from a you know from an external point of view. Okay. Because people still want a lot of reassurance. Um a lot of comfort that even from someone like me but or, or you so everything's going to be okay <clears throat> we're all insecure mm. everyone's insecure everyone's worried about whether they're doing things right whether they're going to be judged viewed negatively imposter syndrome mm. it's a general fear of fear of failure 
was about to go into a sporting analogy there about how fear of failure is one of the biggest paralyzers for people. They're worried about <coughs> the crowd reaction, the manager's reaction, there are the players' reactions if things go wrong, then they're just focusing on the negative. Yeah. And so they're kind of expecting things to go wrong. So when the slightest thing begins to go wrong, they think, oh, this is the beginning of that. It's a dangerous path to go down, what, it with is. the recent um, European Championships, which we won't go into from an English point of view. So do you think this company that you're, you're working with, do you think, how do you think their project managers are going to fit in to the new well, world? I think a lot of them want to be better scrum masters. Okay, so they are scrum masters? Some of them are. Some of them are. What are the others? Well, some of them are just either tech leads or full-time scrum masters. Okay. But some project managers have... Well, sometimes they coexist with other scrum masters and project managers living in the same teams. So you've got a project manager, a scrum master and a product owner. Wow. And um, what ended up is that the scrum masters have mainly been ceremony focused. Mm -hmm. The project managers still very much track and monitor progress and do project manager things. And the product owners just seem to, from what I understood, just seem to demand everything <coughs> and ask and not really have any ideas of the consequences of asking for things, different things at the same time. Or I don't think I've ever seen a trio of roles, Scrum Master, Product Owner and Project Manager, ever coexist with, with success. No. I've seen them tolerate one another, <coughs> but there's always a, a, a a huge overlap and confusion in terms of responsibility, accountability, and very little. One of the biggest things I've noticed in that situation is it's very difficult to get the team bought in. It was just a real lack of an idea of who's doing what. In my in my experience, hmm. I mean, I, I'm, we're not, I'm not standing here and saying, first of all, that sack all the project managers. Although some people might say that, but um, <coughs> I think the project manager role is always going to exist mm -hmm. in the majority of organisations because I still think there's there's a, there's a need for them, but um, I don't think it's in scrum teams. In Nokia, it was very much between scrum teams when I was there. So sometimes they got managing dependencies. Yeah, kind of. Or more or less just facilitating product owners uh, around various teams and, and macro level impediments and things like that. Mm. Um, and I still think that can be done quite well, but they shouldn't. They didn't interfere with teams day to days um, and things like that. So I still, I think, I think we might need less of them than we actually have, but I still think we can work with them. And I know plenty of project managers that look at the scrum master role and think. You know, that's what I, I like doing, and I can do more of that. Mm. I know some project managers that actually look, at, I think there's more closer relationships with a product owner than there is with a scrum master, mm -hmm. personally, but I know a lot of project managers that I think, I look at them and think, well, you'd actually make a great a great product owner if you were, if you were given that remit. 
and that extra mm. responsibility. Yeah, I think project managers. There's, I think there's five. <coughs> I've seen five uh, directions for them to go in in, a, <coughs> in an organisation that's becoming more agile. There's the scrum masters. Some of them fit really well into that role and take to it like a duck to water. Some of them, I think, I agree with you there that I think they're more likely to, to better fit the product owner role and, and really get their teeth into that one. I've seen some project managers who, who take on a more of a, a coach type role and be that internal. Uh, remove the responsibility and the accountability and just focus on developing people mm-hmm. and supporting them um, almost almost doubling up with a scrum master as the organizational change agent type thing yeah um, I've seen them just focus purely on the non-agile projects within the organization organizations that are big enough they will always have some of those um, and the fifth area is Project managers, in my opinion, in my experience, project managers are fantastic problem solvers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're quite resourceful, resilient, determined, um, dog with a bone, generally really good ones. Yeah. Uh, and so that that organisational transformation team, if you like, that that that, that kind of common pattern that most organisations adopt when trying to to transform their company, their culture, their processes of having an internal <coughs> transformation team that are looking at, uh, at organizational impediments I think that's a, a really good place for them to be they don't have to they don't have to be in a product team they're in a transformation team mm-hmm. with other project managers looking at organizational impediments big big sticky problems um, that often have dependencies and critical mm. paths and, and things like that I've seen some some take to that really well. Accelerate a transformation. I don't think just removing or pushing project managers around is necessarily the answer to the problem. I think, well, just again talking from the recent experiences of training some companies like this, the project management function, regardless of the people, brings its own level of traditional governance with it. So people are very used in that role, have probably created a process whereby there is an upfront effort in creation and kind of analysis of requirements as well as a structure around project um, startup which is very process heavy. So even just purely removing project managers from scrum teams I don't think will solve that problem. It wouldn't solve the the problem for this particular company I was working with this, this last week. Um, and they'd still have that they still find it hard to, to shift that or to look at another an alternative process for governing projects mm. whether project managers are running that or not the company has a has a defined process which has been very much led by a project management function could that process and has not to be change. done by <coughs> the scrum team well, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about release planning, this okay. idea of, of, the, of how we can shorten the startup period to a project, still get the data we need, still get the, um, an idea of the schedule that we might have, but without the necessary upfront uh, lead time to start to project startup. Hmm. How long has it taken to get going at the moment? Have an idea? Three months, like that, two to three months. 
and it's very much a scrum of all type approach whereby after that three months the requirements are pretty much nailed down mm. and then <coughs> they're just kind of using scrum to manage that those requirements over two week periods an iterative death march yeah so very much the uh, the idea that we can't change anything once we've started but let's just let's just analyze that every two weeks and look at how bad they were failing mm. what's the what's the <coughs> time window though are they're looking at tying down requirements for three months nine months a year well to most of their projects typically will end after six six to nine months okay so it's still a pretty you know demotivating area to be in if so three months project. to get the requirements for a six to nine month project mm. that's quite so. an unhealthy ratio isn't it oh. yeah not not good but um no i think the people in the room certainly realized that and certainly but it's i mean, I, I don't know if you experienced this, but we've we've said this before that the people that you normally get in the room are not the right people that need to hear what you're saying. Mm. Um, and we've tried very much to get the right people in the room for those types of things, but um, by the time it gets to those the ears at that kind of level, the message has kind of been watered down. And the guys that on the course were saying that we've been saying the same things. So the developers and teams that have been pushing back, saying we've got these. No, yeah. they know that. I think the developers and the team know the problems that they're having. But it's getting the the voice, um, and you're never never a prophet in your own land, as they say. Mm. Um, I'm talking about having the right people in the right room. I had um, it just brings back a memory of a. This was years and years ago. I was doing a course at a, at a company down on the south coast, and we were talking about the scrum master role and you know what the responsibilities are and how that's quite different to the responsibilities they currently have in their job roles and the job descriptions. Uh, so they're going to have to find people to do this role from somewhere within their organisation. And the question they asked me was, "Well, where do you find these people?" And my genuine answer was, "I don't know. It depending on." It's different. Every every company I go to, sometimes I remember Ken Trevor used to say, "Go to QA because they're used to taking all sorts of rubbish and with no authority, having to having to make the best of it." Um, <coughs> slightly tongue-in-cheek comment, but you know, I've known junior testers make great scrum masters and project managers great scrum masters and, and all sorts of different roles. So I said, "Well, given what we've been talking about, this role being responsible for, what?" Characteristics do you think you'd look for? Got kind of personality traits. If you were to run an internal you know, job advert, what would your job advert be advertising? What would you be looking for? And they came up with a list of personality traits and characteristics and skills and experiences. And they said, right, well, given this list, who in your organisation actually now start naming names? Who in your organisation do you think would be good at this? The context of this was the right people in the right room, and we actually had someone from HR in the room really? while we were having this conversation. The idea being that having someone from HR will, will give them an insight into the kind of challenges that they're going to have and the kind of help they can provide teams getting started with it. Um, and, the, and the lady from HR, she, she came up to me and she said, Jeff, by the way, we've actually decided who these scrum masters are going to be already. <laughs> really? I said, oh, that's interesting. <coughs> by this time the room had decided they were going to have a have a, not an election but they were going to vote effectively they were going to write down the names on paper and put yeah. them into a box and see how many and of the 25 people in the room 22 or 23 people all said the same person so yeah. they knew 
given the responsibilities and the skills, who would make who would do well at this job? And that wasn't one of the people that management <laughs> and HR had selected. That happens so often. Isn't it? But it was quite an eye opener. And when, but once you put it in that context of you know this is what the role is, this is what is expected. What do you need in order to do that role well? Now you know that who is good at that stuff in our organisation. You ask the people. Yeah, they've got a pretty good know. idea. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. A little bit harder if you're hiring externally, but. Um, still the same process. Mm. Right? Show me that you can you can do this. Show me that you have this skill. Show me that you have this trait. Give me a, tell me a story of when you did this with your team. That that kind of insight. So yeah, again, the right people in the right room is important. But if they've already made the decisions, it might be <laughs> it yeah. might be a moot point. Yeah. Is it worth telling people that I used to be a project manager before I was a scrum master? Yeah. Were you? Were you a project manager as well? Technically, yeah, I was Prince 2 certified. I think, it, how long does it last? I think I don't think I am anymore. No, probably not. I it probably lapsed. I think the certificate probably expired. I remember it being a, f- a horrible four day course that was just like cramming as much knowledge as you could into your head and mm. sitting a horrendous exam. At Big the workbook when they said, right, now turn to this page and put a sticky note here and underline this phrase because you're going to be asked that in the exam. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. I remember it was in a horrible hotel as well. But yeah, yeah. I, and I never, I never opened that book again when I'd, after I'd finished the course. Never, never referred to it. The only I don't, well, I don't think, I don't think BT at the time when we were in BT ever actually did Prince Two out of the box. Anyway, does anyone ever do? Not. But then the only, th- I think the only thing that I remember from the Prince Two training was you only need to use as much of this. Methodology as makes sense. Oh, really? They said that. Didn't they? I'm pretty sure that was on page one. I think maybe I've got a false memory. You know, yeah. Memory changes. You know, memory's not true, but that's what I remember. Um, and you know, it, that's. I think that's. I mean, you could make an argument that that's more flexible than Scrum, because Scrum is quite binary about certain things. Mm. You know, your, de- your meetings have to be 15 minutes yeah. maximum. You ask these three questions. You can only have these three roles. Your sprints can't be longer than a month. Yeah. So there are not many rules, but they're, they're fairly strict. Whereas Prince 2, I think, was only do as much as makes sense. Yet they had this huge, huge workbook <clears throat> that most people followed yeah. because it was safer. Yeah. Um, and but a lot of UK companies still demand Prince 2, still under require the, it. It's under the false impression that it provides greater safety, security and uh, certainty of success, but it doesn't. No. A lot of the practices that underpin it are useful, you know, risk analysis. It's a good thing to do, to think about your risks and to work out where the, the dependencies are. And, uh, find your critical path and things like that. It's great stuff, but is it for one person to do? I would argue not. I would argue those the good activities that every good scrum team do as a team, yeah. collectively, every sprint. <clears throat> well, that's. I, mean, I would argue that's what we did in our teams before we before we really called it scrum. Yeah. A lot, but I, I do come across a lot of people in the training courses that I run that say, "When I was a developer twenty odd years ago, we did a lot of this stuff. We did anyway, but we just didn't call it Scrum." Mm. <coughs> and I have no problem with that. I get I get people that argue with me. Do we have to call it a backlog? Do we have to call it a daily Scrum? Do we have to you know, argue? And sometimes I get a little bit cheesed off with the whole challenging. Everyone just wants to challenge everything, but. Mm. 
Uh, fundamentally, no, I don't really mind what you call it. But the in essence, it's just simple common sense stuff. You've got so that's your biggest problem. Yeah, exactly. You've got happy days. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. if you're arguing over that, surely you put your energy into arguing something a little bit more fundamental. Yeah. <clears throat> like what's on it? Yeah. And who owns it? And is it prioritised? People have a lot of issues with the word backlog. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't offend me at all. I mean, it's offend some people. Just drawing attention away from the real problem is what yeah. it is. The companies want to put their own identity on things. This is the thing that, again, slightly frustrates me. Is there's a model um, <coughs> that's been proven to work in a variety of different companies and circumstances. Why not just use it? We're well, talking about Scrum now. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> no, but it's like, okay, let's make our own company X Scrum, or let's make our Scrum version company some version why whatever it needs to be but we need to in some way put our own stamp on this to say that we create to say that this is slightly different for us to say that this is this is how we should do it mm. and that kind of frustrates me really yeah I would say I've never really captured the numbers but my instinct tells me that 50% of people that that come along to to my training courses will say they'll introduce themselves by saying something like we're doing scrumish or we're doing a hybrid version of scrum or we're doing a doing our own version of scrum and it uh, you know i'm not i'm not fluent in scrumish <laughs> um, but it's it's a different topic i suppose but yeah but it it isn't it isn't it isn't because adding adding project managers to scrum teams is, is scrumish true yeah. And in mo Scrumish is probably going to end you up in some kind of difficult situation. But Scrum is difficult anyway. Scrumish, I'd probably say, is more difficult. More difficult to be successful, but generally easier to implement because most of the time, in my opinion, Scrumish is to avoid tackling the difficulties, the, the yeah. actual hard parts. True. So it's not done. Mm. Not done Scrum. Definition of done for Scrum. Scrum done. So, what's the moral? What's the message? What's the, what's the summary of our little meandering chat today? Well, um, generally, project managers in Scrum teams are a no-no, in my view. Okay. That's my takeaway. Makes things harder. Dilutes the decision-making process. Um, and yeah, where else do we? Where else do we go with it? Know. <laughs> it's kind of a chicken and egg. They're going back to my comment, well, your, actually your comment about what I said about you'll never have a real product owner if you've got a project manager. I'm trying to remember that that conversation, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it went, it went something along the lines of it. It's it's a bit like a chicken and egg situation in that if you haven't got a real product owner, there's a real case for having a project manager to fill that gap. Yeah, <clears throat> and that makes sense in the short term, but it actually stops, reduces your chances of getting a real product owner to take. To, to take that role up properly in the, in the medium to long term um, and so actually solving one problem can actually give you a bigger problem mm. uh, if you're not looking at the not looking at it holistically so I can see why teams would be tempted to have that project manager in there for lots of reasons some more um, positive than others I suppose I know some places for example that say oh, we need a project manager because the team can't be trusted 
you know the team aren't proactive they're not engaged they just want to be fed work well maybe they want to be fed work in that but environment surely again it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a technique to distance self-organization from the people yeah. that need to do it yeah burn downs classic example a project manager will look at a burn down and think oh i'll get my hands all over this mm. this is my area mm. this is all me and then I noticed that in the training course that I ran that the project managers tended to flock around the burn downs and the artifacts rather than engaging with people. Which is what I a flock of seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> As Kenneth would say. Yeah, it's just uh, circle around and swoop down and shit on everything. <laughs> and then bugger off again. But there we are. Oh, well. Rant over, Jeff. Rant oh, yeah, over. we never, we never, we never said that there would definitely be a moral or a message or anything to be, but just maybe a little. But it's the time it takes for me to drink one pint of cider, which I clearly have. Done. Okay, well, all right. Well, we'd better sign off and uh, get back to the bar. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, Paul.